KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Since the start of the COVID 19 pandemic, jobs being done virtually has become commonplace in many fields, and that includes nursing. That nurse, in addition to the patient's bedside nurse who's still physically there providing care, is doing things like watching for trends, watching several patients at the same time, and just monitoring progress. Dr. Terry Hinckley is the CEO of the Medical Surgical Nursing Certificate Board and the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses. She says that while virtual nursing has been used in the past, its emergence in the acute care field is big and could help the nursing profession deal with some serious personnel shortages. By 2025, there's an anticipated 21% reduction in the nursing workforce. We have approximately 4 million nurses in the United States, so that's 800,000 nurses that we expect to lose by 2025. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In-Depth, we talk about the benefits of virtual nursing, the work being done to certify and standardize care, and how this will all affect the future of nursing. For people that aren't familiar, specifically, what is acute care? We envision the healthcare entire industry or process on a continuum. So primary care is you following up with your family doctor when you're well and just making sure that you're addressing any potential health problems before they occur. Maybe you're not feeling well, so they'll provide some point of care options to uh, prevent you from getting sicker, et cetera. Acute care is really when we talk about patients moving into the inpatient hospital setting. There's something wrong with them medically that needs more attention, more care from physicians and quite often. Often more care from nursing is the driver into the into the hospital setting specifically, which is what within the industry we refer to as acute care. A lot of people think virtual anything, obviously through a screen, over Zoom, something like that. And I think a lot of people have gotten used to the idea of having appointments with their doctor over Zoom or a telehealth, uh, some sort of portal like that. When it comes to virtual acute care nursing, same concept, but specifically, how does it work? Where does it fill in gaps? Where is it utilized? So it has been utilized in the acute care setting, surprisingly, maybe not in more critical care settings like in intensive care units. Now, part of the reason why we've been using it in those settings for several years is because there's usually a lot of monitoring that takes place. Those patients are obviously critically ill. There's a lot of different lines and monitors that are sort of monitoring physiological function, and it can be quite overwhelming and difficult to find and notice subtle trends over time. So virtual nursing has been used in the intensive care unit for several years. And that nurse, in addition to the patient's bedside nurse, who's still physically there providing care, is doing things like watching for trends, watching several patients at the same time, and just monitoring progress. Now, We've seen since the pandemic an amplification of a recognition that that can still also be valuable and useful monitoring to take place on general units within the hospital. So not critical care units, but more traditional medical surgical units, orthopedic units and things like that. And the same premise holds. You'll still have a physical bedside nurse that will be responsible for your care. But in addition, because that nurse has several other patients that they're also taking care of at the same time, 
You'll have a virtual nurse that can do things like when you're being admitted to the unit, they can do your admission paperwork and review those data points and ask you those questions. If you ring your call bell because you need something, that virtual nurse can pop in and see what it is that you need and sort of triage with your bedside nurse how quickly a nurse needs to get down and be able to see you. So it's really, it's supplementing the care that you're already getting from a bedside nurse and that model won't change. Is this pretty universal at this point? Like if you go to average American hospital, chances are they will be using this in some setting or some form right now? It's certainly gaining popularity. We are seeing many more systems implementing this into their hospitals. Now, some will be at different stages. There's a few hospitals that have been doing this for, I'll say, two to three to four five years. And then there's other hospitals that are at the exploration stage where they're like, yeah, let's supplement our care with this model. And they're looking at what does that look like? What does that job look like? What responsibilities will those individuals have? What technology will we use? So they might be piloting it, for example, on one unit. So I wouldn't say it's widespread yet. And if anyone is admitted to the hospital next week, they won't necessarily see it. But I think that you'll really see an explosion in it over the next uh, one to two years. Is there any path you see where this could take the place of a bedside nurse? Because I would think no, just as a layman, because there is just that human touch that I think nursing it's so critical for. Do you see this in its best use as being that that supplement that in addition to? You can't envision a future where there's not a physical nurse presence just by virtue of the work that nurses do and how physical and hands-on it is. I think it's a focus on what does the nurse at the bedside need to focus on in that relationship with the patient and what are some of those things that we can leverage someone else's experience, expertise. You know, there's a couple of other reasons I think that it's gaining popularity. There is a envisioned incredible shortage of nursing. We've already seen a lot of nurses leave the profession through the pandemic. By 2025, there's an anticipated 21% reduction in the nursing workforce. We um, have approximately 4 million nurses in the United States. So that's 800,000 nurses that we expect to lose by 2025. We also have nurses that are graduating that were in nursing school during the pandemic and just by virtue of the pandemic weren't able to get the clinical experiences in hospitals with patients that are typical. So they're graduating with less clinical expertise, although they certainly tried to supplement that in other ways than um, any other cohort of nursing students have graduated with in the past. So we've lost and are losing a significant amount of intellectual capital from experienced nurses. And we are also seeing an aging population. Nursing's really tough work. They're 12-hour shifts, they're long hours, they're grueling. Oftentimes you're on your feet for 12 hours. You very rarely get breaks. So when you're getting into your 50s and 60s, and I certainly don't want to generalize, it's hard physical work. Virtual nursing provides us an opportunity to be able to provide coaching and mentoring for those newer nurses coming into practice and not lose the intellectual capital from those experienced and expert nurses at the bedside. And that's another benefit where we feel virtual nursing can help coach and mentor newer nurses. They have usually very deep assessment skills and a lot of significant knowledge. So they can pick up on subtle trends. 
And they can also do a lot of um, sort of quality monitoring and make sure things aren't slipping through the cracks. Is there any idea what this can do as far as helping to alleviate that nursing shortage? Like if a hospital utilizes this in a good way where you needed 50 nurses to staff, could you be comfortable saying, you know what, we probably only need 40 if we're going to use this because it allows us to do X, Y, and Z. Is there any kind of understanding of that context? I think we might be a little too early to be able to fully understand that. But what I will say is for the nurses that are currently at the bedside in a non-critical care space within the hospital, so a general medical unit, surgical unit, neurology, orthopedics, that kind of unit, those nurses are managing an incredibly stressful workload and staffing ratios that in many instances don't allow us to provide comprehensive care to our patients. I think that the advent of virtual nursing and using virtual nursing more effectively in the inpatient setting actually allows the bedside nurse to do more with their patients and do more of what they should be doing with their patients because we've taken some of those other things off their shoulders by using virtual nursing. So I don't know that you'll see a reduction necessarily in the workforce. I think it just actually will improve the care that patients get. I think it will improve the work life of the nurse. And I think that it will actually improve patient outcomes. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Terry Hinckley, CEO of the Medical Surgical Nursing Certification Board and the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses. Right after this, this is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Terry Hinckley, CEO of the Medical Surgical Nursing Certification Board and the Academy of Medical Surgical Nurses. When it comes to certification, is this something that nurses have to go an extra mile for, or healthcare facilities have to go an extra mile for? Is it something the certification is just starting to kind of catch up to the need because of the pandemic and everything? A lot of things, it was kind of like the Wild West. And I mean that in a good faith way where everybody's trying their best, but there wasn't really a universal kind of feel for it. You know, where is it as far as certification? That's an excellent point. And you're exactly right. And I certainly agree with you. And I take your good faith in the use of the term Wild West. In the lack of standards, people will develop their own, right? So institutionally, you see institutions developing and implementing it um, unique to their situation because there have been no standards and there have been no kind of, these are the sorts of things virtual nurses should do. Here's what those staffing ratios might look like, et cetera. So by developing a certification, it's twofold. It brings some standards standardization to the role and to the industry so that we're all applying it in a relatively similar manner, hospital to hospital and system to system. But it also allows the individual nurse to develop and demonstrate their expertise in this role. So nursing certification is entirely, with the exception of advanced practice nurses, a voluntary endeavor. You need a license to practice and licenses are granted by state boards of nursing when you pass your NCLEX exam and do some other things to demonstrate that you're eligible. And that's all you need to practice. Certification, though, oftentimes nurses, either for personal reasons or because their hospitals really want to demonstrate that their nurses have expertise in the areas in which they work, will ask and support nurses getting certification. 
So while not required, there are a lot of employers that really value it and uh, nurses as well really value being able to demonstrate that expertise. We are developing and will roll out in probably August, a certification, the first certification for virtual acute care nursing. There is a tele ICU certification that already exists because that's been uh, happening for a while, as we discussed earlier. But this is the one focusing on non critical care areas. And the idea being it will help us consolidate across the system what virtual nurses are doing. What is the, the organization that would be in charge of the certification? So the Medical Surgical Nursing Certification Board is the certification board that's developing this exam. Now, when we develop an exam, we actually work with experts from the industry. So we're working with nurses that are already using virtual nursing in their institutions to help us build the exam. They help us build what should be on the exam. So what are the domains or areas that we're going to test? And then actually help us with writing the questions for the exam that will be administered. The idea of virtual nursing becoming more prevalent in more places, you know, more levels of the healthcare system, could it open a window for more people to come into nursing? What I mean by this is you've got to have really a, an, an incredible human touch to be a bedside nurse in any, you know, a, anywhere. But maybe somebody that kind of knows themselves and knows that maybe they are, they're not that good interpersonal, but still have a passion for nursing. Is this something that you might see maybe a, di a different type of person pursue because you're still nursing, but it's a little different? Am I making sense? You are making sense. And I think the answer in short is yes. However, what we're finding is that institutions that are implementing this virtual nurse role are actually taking bedside nurses, clinical nurses with significant expertise and moving them into that role. So it wouldn't be something that you would sort of bypass that care requirement. However, from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective as well, you think about, again, we talked about how strenuous and physical nursing is as a profession, you know, it might allow more people with disabilities, for example, to actually be able to go into nursing. And those that perhaps have a real affinity for data analysis, that would be someone that I would see fitting really well with this role. Someone who's an excellent teacher or really good at coaching because there's an education of patients and family perspective to this, but also of the, of the nurse that's actually working at the bedside. So yes, most certainly, I think in short, the answer to your question, I would say absolutely. But I, I think that there's going to always be that requirement that they've experienced the bedside care perspective. Is there a role for virtual nursing, maybe eventually in the primary care venue, you know, the person that goes to see their doctor once or twice a year? If so, where would it fit in the best? Absolutely. And then I'll talk about another future extension, I think, that's also going to really emerge. So I think we saw during the pandemic the use of telehealth because we couldn't get into physicians' offices. There were a lot of telehealth visits that were done, and primarily those were done with physicians, but not entirely. I certainly think you could see a broadening of that to also include nursing, where they're just doing the ongoing checks and monitoring. How has your how are you feeling on your new blood pressure medication? How is that working? We also with the Internet of Things, which I'm not sure if that's a term that you're familiar with, Matt, but basically it just talks about how all of our devices are connected to the internet now. So think about a person with high blood pressure, for example, I'll stick with that example, and maybe they have a blood pressure cuff at home. 
It will be probably very shortly, and I'm sure there are some currently, but much more normal that those devices are connected to the internet. So your nurse in your physician's office could be monitoring your readings when you do them at home and might check in with you because let's say your blood pressure is high. Let's say your blood pressure is low. There would be points where they would be able to check in as well as do regular monitoring. I think the same with blood sugar measurements. I think that the advent of Technology and tools and devices that are connected to the internet will allow people to be monitored and use that virtual nursing in the primary care space, but also in the post-acute space. We're hearing a lot, and there's a lot of interest from technology companies and the healthcare industry to uh, reduce the reliance on hospitals to do what they're calling hospital at home care. Meaning, do you actually need to come into the hospital to get that care? Or can we bring some of those services to you in your house so that you're not having to go to the hospital? I think that you'll see an increased utilization again with that equipment and with those tools in the post-acute space where we're able to get a patient out of the hospital and then follow up with them and monitor them at home as they continue their recovery. Back to the certification about how long does certification take or you know, will it take once everything's kind of in place? So once everything's in place, the certification test itself is probably going to take about three hours for the individual to do. The certification will be good. I use air quotes, which you can't see for approximately three years. And then the individual will have to recertify or renew that certification by doing continuing education and other activities to demonstrate that they still have those competencies. And I'm curious, from the other side, is there any concern, I shouldn't say from the other side, but from a personnel standpoint, is there concern that as far as compensation for nurses, that this could drive some, well, you're not actually seeing the patients in person, so that position only pays X amount a year, whereas the bedside nurses pay X amount a year. And, you know, it sounds like really in the weeds, but a lot of employers might try to shoehorn it in as different jobs and stuff like that. Is there concern from the nursing standpoint? Do we have to keep an eye on this and kind of make sure that everybody's being compensated properly? I, I certainly think it bears keeping an eye on. I would not anticipate that to happen, although stranger things most certainly have. And I think part of the reason I wouldn't anticipate it is because you are talking about your most highly experienced and expert nurses doing the role. And many not all, but certainly many systems and hospitals are actually unionized. So they would still fall under a registered nursing role, regardless of where you happen to be doing that role from or what seat that you're sitting in. And I would also imagine that maybe, you know, we talked about the shortage and everything and a lot of nurses, it's a physically and emotionally taxing job, but this could I would think in theory, maybe extend some careers because if people don't have to walk the stairs or go up and down the floors and, and stuff like that and can still do what they want to do, but do it in front of a monitor. And these are your most experienced nurses. It could really do good from that standpoint now. A hundred percent. We are really excited about this as a retention tool to try and stop nurses from leaving the profession altogether, but be able to work in a manner that leverages their strengths and their expertise, but also isn't as physically demanding on them, most certainly. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.